Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today's topic is what is dynamic pricing with my friend Don Salvucci Favier? I'm sorry, I always screw up your last name, Don. That's Favier. okay, Joe. Favier. Say it. Favier. God yes. Darn it. <laughs> Not but- an easy one. <laughs> so, welcome. So, Don, please introduce yourself and your company. Sure. Hey, everybody. Uh, Joe, thanks for having me. And and it's great to be here today again. My name is Dawn Salvucci-Favier. I'm the CEO and Chief Product Officer of Greenscreens.ai. Greenscreens is a predictive dynamic pricing platform that today is really geared towards freight brokers and 3PLs to help them really quote with more confidence and ultimately to win more business and to do so more profitably. Yes, yes. And I did have you on once before. We talked, we did a podcast on um, better, faster freight quotes. And that's just another way of talking about what dynamic pricing does for us. So we wanted to circle back because there was things we touched on. Uh, I want to talk about it again. And when we were prepping, I asked you the question, like, how far along is dynamic pricing? How many people are actually using it? So well, I'll ask you again, how many people are using this? What percentage of the industry has already adopted dynamic pricing? I think, you know, from an adoption perspective, though, the way that we think about dynamic pricing, if you think about the technology adoption curve and crossing the chasm, we're probably still in the early adopter, maybe early majority stage. I would say it's probably 20% or less of the, the freight brokerage industry um, and, you know, the 3PL industry in general have really adopted dynamic pricing at this point. Right. And I think when you say 20% have adopted it, those are the big dogs. So that if you were talking just in terms of volume, probably a much larger chunk is going through dynamic pricing. So by company, it's probably less than 20%, 20% or less, or you know, just guessing. But by volume, it's probably much higher. So much just because the big dogs are all doing it already. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, even some of the largest companies have different levels of adoption of truly dynamic pricing, right? So, um, you know, if you look at what's their 17,000 plus freight brokers in the United States alone, and the top 150 of those are less than 50% of the, the total revenue share within that market space. And of that top 150, I would say there's a really low percentage of even those companies that have truly adopted dynamic pricing. Yeah. Right. Still pretty fragmented space. So before we get into the topic all the way, tell us a little bit about you. Where, uh, where'd you start in this biz? And uh, give us some of your career highlights before you joined Green Screens. Yeah, sure. So I've been uh, about 30 years in freight logistics industry going way back. I started my career on the shipper side. So working for two uh, different major retailers in the Northeast up in the Boston area and working in their trans- inbound transportation group. Through my time with those companies, I was twice involved in implementing TMS with them. And while I was kind of operations by background, I found that the technology side was something that I really liked and was a little bit good at. So I was fortunate enough to one of the TMS vendors we were working with called Manugistics, an old name for those of us that have been around for a while. Right. 
Who bought them? Whatever happened to Manugistics? Manugistics was acquired by JDA, which is now Blue Yonder. So that's all. And of course, they've acquired I2 Technologies since then. They've acquired Red Prairie since then. And and many, many other companies, even outside of the, the logistics space as well. But um, they're all kind of part of the Blue Yonder portfolio now. But I was fortunate enough to be asked to join Manugistics as a product manager um, on their transportation management product back 22 years ago and have really spent the past that was cutting edge then (laughs) it it kind of was and even you know on the retailer side managing our own inbound transportation and using a tms to do that was cutting edge at the time right and now it's 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 a must-have not a a cutting edge thing so it was it was fun to be part of that it was fun to get into the technology side and and obviously it must be fun because i've spent the past 22 years doing it and uh you know most recently it was with a company called 3g tms that is also in in the tms space and then i joined green screens in 2020 at the beginning of the the company's kind of existence yeah. So again, explain what Green Screens does and what dynamic pricing is. Yeah. So as I said, Green Screens is a, a, a predictive and dynamic pricing platform for freight brokers and 3PLs today. And and really to, to get to the heart of the matter, what is dynamic pricing? I mean, dynamic pricing is a, a method of pricing that's extremely important in the in the spot freight market and, and especially today, given the market conditions that is, you know, flexible. It, it considers demand and supply and market volatility and all of the things that are happening in the market. I mean, we're we're going to be time stamping this conversation, but you know border crossings and you know weather events and and all of these things have such a huge impact on what the price of a load is going to be today versus tomorrow and things like that. And you know we're really starting to see dynamic pricing become a must-have, right? As as I just mentioned about TMS, dynamic pricing is really starting to become a, a, a must-have, and that's that's part of the fundamental problem that we're solving for our customers. Right. So when I think about dynamic pricing, and this is again, I'll, I'll give you my very low tech perspective on it, the layman's the layman's version. So you're taking in all sorts of data, and then you're using AI machine learning to to say, rather than just, you know, so if you and I ran a freight brokerage, we say, we would develop some tribal knowledge for everybody calls it, right? I, you and I would say, yeah, with the, we, that, we always charge about $1,800 for that, $4,500 for that. And that, that has worked very well. But what we're humans, and as smart as you and I are, at some point, we are going to have biases, and we're going to miss a market uptick or downtick. And we're not going to be as competitive as we want to be. And so what dynamic pricing is taking all these information from what sort of, what, what sources do you take it from? From like DAT or? We're, no. So we, we really, we don't use data from any of, let's say, the traditional pricing solutions that are out there. Really, the approach that we take is we take our customer's own data okay. um, first and foremost to train the a machine learning engine algorithm about the buying behavior and the buying patterns of that individual organization. And all of our customers submit their data. That data is then aggregated and anonymized and cleansed. Um, and we're getting that data from our customers in at least a daily basis, if not a real-time transactional basis, right? So we're forming this aggregation of a huge set of transactional load data that's actually moving. And then we're augmenting that transactional data 
with some economic indicators, right? Things like CPI and the cash truckload line haul index that are a little bit more historical in nature, but they're still important um, considerations to look at things like seasonality and, and some of the, the historical and economic indicators. But, but I think for dynamic pricing, it really is that transactional information that becomes more important because how something was priced this week last year or last week or even three days ago is not as important as how something is going to price today. And, and I'll give you a couple examples, right? So pricing a 750-mile load to pick up on a Wednesday could have a vastly different price than picking up that same load to move on a Friday. Right. right. Or at the end of the month. <laughs> right. Or at the end of the month. The first 10 loads that move on any given lane on any given day may be priced very differently than, say, the next 20 loads that are going to move on that same lane. Because as that truck capacity gets consumed by those first 10 loads, the price is going to adjust accordingly based on that capacity drying up. Maybe carriers are having to deadhead equipment in or, you know, deadhead or come in from further away. Right. Things like that. And then again, the individual buy buying power, the freight mix, the carrier relationships, things like that of an individual organization. These are all things that can impact the price. And these are things that right. are all changing. You know, some people will say logistics is a daily business. Some will argue that logistics is an hourly business, right? Things change that quickly and that dramatically. Right. So so that data, let's so getting back to, let's just say we, you and I own a freight brokerage and we say we're pricing this at 4,200 and we don't do it every day. We do it every once in a while. So now I bring in someone green screens and say, I have this, I have data. It's just, I don't have a lot of data. So how does that $4,200, I mean, that's not enough data for you to do anything with it, is it? No, I mean, you hit it right on the head. If it's a lane that you're running on a regular basis and you already have carrier relationships, that 4200 that knowledge of that $4,200 price may be pretty reliable, but you hit it right on the head for the lanes that you're not moving on a regular basis. Or if it's in a market where the conditions are more volatile, that, 42, that knowledge of that $4,200 isn't necessarily going to be enough. And that's really the power of AI, artificial intelligence and machine learning is, is codifying the tribal knowledge, but being able to process far more data points more quickly than a human could, could ever process it. Right. And being able to quickly synchronize, not just the buy rate, what are you going to buy the capacity in the network at, but what is the suggested sell price based on that to secure the business, but not just to win the business at the right price, but to know that the price you've quoted is it going to allow you to get capacity reliably, right? That a truck, you're going to be able to get a truck that's actually going to be able to show up and pick up that load and move it, right? And and also be competitive enough to win it, right? So if I say, if I say we've said 4,200, but the price of the truck went higher and I don't, my being again, just having a human brain, I don't have all this knowledge, right? So you have other indicators that would suggest, hey, I think the price of trucks are going to go higher and that 4,200 is not going to be good enough anymore. And again, maybe maybe the market went up and now people are paying 4,500 for that. And I don't know that because you and I just are, that's the problem with tribal knowledge is it is biased and it probably doesn't change very much. 
Right, right. It is. And if you think, you know, let's let's pull on that tribal knowledge thread. I mean, if you or I that are the seasoned veteran and veteran and we're sitting in a chair, there's a thought process that we go through, even if we do recognize that prices are changing. Right. I might go and, and see that there's a lot of loads posted in an area or something. And there's a mental thought process that we're going to go through. Right. OK, well, I've never moved this lane before. You know, let's say Chicago to Houston. OK. I moved Chicago to Houston, but now I have a Green Bay to Dallas and I've never moved that before. Well, does Green Bay to Dallas price more similarly to Chicago to Houston or maybe it prices more similarly to Milwaukee to somewhere else, right? And and we're going to go through that and, and the human brain, maybe we're going to start looking in you know, concentric circles around my origin and my destination and, you know, start doing some of the things, but all of that takes time, right? It takes time for the human to do that analysis and research. And that's for a single transaction, right? And that's kind of what dynamic pricing is all about because, you know, more and more we're seeing the spot market move away from a phone call based, you know, Hey, can you give me a price? Yeah. Let me get back to you to, more connected, right? And I, and I think that speaks to something, the competitiveness, right? So we have seen a lot of, you know, very large, very well-funded companies in this industry invest a whole lot of capital in developing the technology that they need to really enable this dynamic pricing environment that most brokerages don't have the funds or the resources to do, right? And that gives them an almost immediate competitive advantage to be able to codify this and and respond more quickly. So if you think about what we're doing with AI and machine learning, it's almost a democratization of data and systems. And again, codifying that tribal knowledge to help level the technology playing field and allow companies to gain a competitive advantage through, at the end of the day, what, what really matters would be differentiating on exceptional service and relationships and focusing less on all of that you know, research and analysis that's needed to understand how to price it. Right. And you mentioned some of these big, well-funded companies. These are a lot of tech type. So I think we can mention, they're not going to be unhappy if we mention. So Convoy B1, they're using some sort of dynamic pricing model. So is uh, Uber. My friends over at LoadSmart, I had Felipe on the podcast and he talked about how the, as a result of using all this automation and dynamic pricing, how the, their ability to their cost per load is lower than a lot of the the little guys who haven't invested that much in technology. And by the way, these are companies that are now showing up with billion dollar valuations. So they are going to be winners in the long term. And you're competing against them right now. People are competing against them and saying, oh yeah, we can go head to head with them. You're bringing a knife to a gunfight because they have a, a secret weapon and it's dynamic price. It's not the only thing that makes those companies exceptional. But it's one of the things that makes them exceptional. They know the price and they can have a better price and a more confident, be more confident in the accuracy of that price because their systems are telling them so. I agree 100%. And, you know, the the speed and the accuracy of the pricing is really only a part of the problem, though. And and I think the second part of the problem, there's probably an A, B, and C to the second part of the problem, but it's it's connectivity. And when I talk about connectivity, it's not just systems and data connectivity. I, I like to call this a connected ecosystem, right? So if you look at it from the perspective that you know, supply demand. That's what supply chain is all about. Supply chain management is all about connecting the supply and the demand. And from my perspective anyway, maybe it's a little biased, but it's people and pricing are what 
connects the supply and the demand and, and enables a truly dynamic environment. And again, this isn't just about technical connectivity, but also connecting the people with the right information at the right time. Right. Right. And the parties. And and when we when we think about the people, there are people working on all sides of this. There's there's people working on the demand side being the customer. There's people working on the supply side being the carrier. And then there's the people within your own organization. Right. Right. And those people are operating in different platforms. That leads to a lot of friction between the parties, a lot of natural latency in the process. And, and the issue of learning curve, as we've talked about, right? That seasoned veteran who can do it in their head, but how do you arm that new rep? Because we know there's a lot of turnover in this industry. We know there's a lot of new people coming into the industry. So how do you arm that new rep with the same knowledge and information as that seasoned veteran to help them also make these better decisions faster and make everybody more effective, right? And that really happens by being connected. Yep. Yep. And when we were prepping for this, I mentioned that when uh, when I started my career, I was an automotive design engineer and we worked with all these older guys who I now identify as my age, but um, they knew everything about launching new vehicles. They knew how to, to build the prototypes. They knew how the designs that worked because they had had them all. And we didn't have in engineering any sort of standard operating pra- practices or processes. There was nothing, right? And and so I remember <laughs> us spending a lot of time with guys who are 60, 55, 60 years old saying, how do we do this? And developing processes, timelines, developing uh, best practices. And I remember they hated it because it was boring. But I think it also, it kind of took the power away from them. And I, I, by the way, I think some of them were happy to share it. But the same thing happens in this business. Again, the seasoned veteran knows exactly what he says. I know this. Now he's got his biases, so he's not always right. She she might have biases that she's she's bringing to that party. She always says it's forty two hundred dollars. It's been that way for a long time. Didn't know that things changed, so, so they have their own biases. But they at least had some feel. The younger people who were bringing in buying droves and saying bang those phones, make all those calls, they don't have that. Right. And either they walk down to your office and say. Hi, Don. Can you help me with this price? <laughs> or maybe they're getting it, you know, from different data sources. But much better to have a dynamic pricing tool like you guys have to say this is the price right here. Or does it give a range, or does it give a price? I mean, it gives a target price, but it also gives the user a lot of insights. So it gives you, you know, a target price, which is this is realistically what we think you're going to buy. It gives a sar- target sell price, which is you know, this is what we think you should sell it at and we'll win the business at that. But then also arming the user with, you know, their own historical information to show them where they've been buying. We show what the green screens network rate is across all of that aggregated and anonymized data that's in our network. It, it shows them which carriers have been moving that lane for them. So it is arming the user. And, and you made an important point about taking the power away from the user. And, and, you know, we like to say that we meet our customers where they are, right? And in, and if the company's strategy is they want to automate, 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 that's great. We we can do that. Um, and we can certainly help right. to enable that. And I'll, I'll talk more about uh, how we leverage our kind of ecosystem of partners to also help with that. But it's, you, you know, there are things, there's companies that either automation isn't their strategy or, you know, they don't want to take that power and decision making away from their people. And we can support that 
too. It, it's not just about automation and artificial intelligence. It's giving the users the the inform the right information at the right time that they need to make a better decision, right? And, and, but and you're not forcing them to use your pricing. So you might give them. I might say I'm going to charge forty two hundred dollars, and you say, Joe, that could be forty four hundred dollars, and and I could say, no, I've always wanted a forty two hundred, and I don't care what the dynamic price says. I still can override. I don't. I don't have to do what it says. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> <laughs> a- a- absolutely, absolutely. But again, you know, it it really is about connecting the people, people process and technology, right? That's probably overused, but it is really people process and technology, both from a systems and a strategy perspective. And I think, you know, when you talk about connecting to the demand, right, that's going to be the customer or the shipper. And again, more and more, we're seeing spot pricing move away from this phone call based system where, you know, some customers may want to request quotes by email or text message, right? Some customers may want to request quotes by their own private load boards, some may have established APIs for requesting and receiving quotes, but at the end of the day, that's a lot for an end user to juggle and right. inevitably leads to missed opportunities that they just simply can't respond not to fast every enough. opportunity that they want to, right? So, you know, we let, we offer that level of connectivity to either connect directly to the customers through their API or to leverage other technology tools that many brokers and 3PLs are already using to connect to the demand, right? So things like HubTech's Tabby tool that is, or, or Speed to Quote for pricing automation, where they're pulling data from these private load boards or from emails and codifying, you know, that communication and calling the green screens engine to get a rate back and automatically responding, right? But if that's not where you are as a company, that's great. We're still going to give you the pricing insights that you need that you, the human, can make the decision, right? But at the end of the day, you're still more able to respond more quickly to the demand on the demand side. So as you guys get new customers, you get new data, and and you said you make that all that data anonymous, so you're not sharing anybody's data with anybody else. And so, as you have more and more customers, you're you're honing in. You're getting better. Your AI is getting better every single day at this because it has more data. Yes, one hundred percent. It's you know the larger the data sample, and that's that's part of the power of machine learning and artificial intelligence is the more data it has to work with, the the more accurate it is going to get. It is self-taught. It is unassisted in self-learning. And it's able to process billions of dollars, billions of transaction points or data points, rather, sorry, that a human couldn't possibly process, right? Yeah. And you know what? This reminds me that can you get old enough, you've, you've seen some of these things happen. One of my buddies worked in the Chicago Board of Options, and he was one of those guys in the pit who would be like, sell, 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 buy, 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 whatever they're doing. And I used to always say to him, this 20 years ago, I'd say, dude, some computer is going to do that job because it makes more sense. Like they, all you're doing is connecting a sell with a buy, right? And it was future options on ag, agricultural stuff. And I was like, there's no reason... For you to make all this money running around pushing people in this pit. And by the way, if you ever go watch that, it's kind of crazy because these are well-paid professionals, but they're also shoving each other in these pits, right? And sure enough, that all went computer because it just made sense. You can see 
that kind of happening here, where as that AI gets better and better at pricing, and I know you say there's always going to be people in the middle, but there'll be fewer people in the middle because the transactions will be much easier to, to price and hopefully to uh, buy. <laughs> well, <laughs> That'd be nice. And, and I, don't, I don't disagree with that, Joe. I think that from a price perspective, there can certainly be fewer people in the middle. I think, you know, a lot of what we like to talk to our customers about is enabling growth with the same amount of people or without having to grow your human capital in order to right. keep up with the growth that you're trying to achieve. But more importantly, it's about deploying that human capital to what I think is truly differentiating for a company is exceptional service and relationships, right? And those right. are the things that a computer can't do, right? Right. We're moving to higher ground. And I, and when we were talking on the phone I don't know, a month ago, we talked about this idea of, you know, this the job of a freight broker of a 3PL is going to be much the change just we saw with stock brokerage and financial planners. Financial planners don't necessarily get involved in a whole bunch of transactions every day. What they're doing is saying, do you want to send some kids to college? Do you want to buy a cottage someday? When would you like to retire? They have that big picture perspective of, of you, right? The old-fashioned stockbroker was just like, well, what would you like me to buy and sell for you today, Don? And I think we're going to see freight brokerage and 3PL move to that same level where provide me insights that save me money. Help me say, hey, guy, if you, you told me one day early about these needs, I could have gotten you a bunch better price. Or we paid this much in detention last month. That's where we're going to save money. So that's what we really need to think about as uh, if you're in the 3PL business, if you're in the freight brokerage business, is how do I move to that higher ground and add value a different way and maybe a better way, I would suggest. Right. I mean, look, there's no denying that brokerage is a transactional business. It truly is a transactional business. But again, I believe the way that a freight broker can differentiate is, as you said, elevating that conversation that they have with the customer is, okay, let me leverage technology to handle the transactional aspect of it. And then let's you and I talk about, you know, a lot of those things that that you just mentioned. So, you know, again, it's connecting to the demand, which is the customer connecting to the supply, which is the carrier, and then connecting with the user. And, and those are really kind of the three prongs and the other part of dynamic pricing, right? So that the pricing and the AI and the accuracy and the speed at which that happens is certainly critical to dynamic pricing, but it really is, again, that connected ecosystem and it's it's connected to the customer, connected to the carrier and connected to the end user. And, and you know, that's, you know, connecting to the carrier. There's a lot of tools out there for, and again, it's the automation versus relationship thing. You've got companies like Parade, right? So they're, they're a partner of ours and, you know, we handle the I just interviewed and, them. <laughs> well, there you go. And then, you know, companies like Freight Friend that is really a carrier relationship management platform. Right. But how do you enable all of those to have a price informed relationship with the carrier? Right. So that the broker still, you know, has an informed price of what they really should be paying based on their buying power and the market conditions, what they think they can sell at so that, you know, they're not leaving money on the table and be able to have that dialogue with the carrier on the demand side. Right. Let's switch gears for just a sec here and talk about the, the other part of this, which is, the, so you've convinced me, Don, I want to use dynamic pricing. Now I want to get a sense for how this works. So let's just say I have a transportation management system and I'm using it and I, I, I have my, I have 
the ability to figure out a price based on on all my information. How do I connect with dynamic pricing, say from green screens? How do I access that? How does it work? Yeah, great, great question. And I think that is the third piece of the the connectivity. I said there was an A, B, and C, and I think the TMS is is the C, but maybe the most important, right? Because every broker needs a TMS, right? More and more, though, we're seeing that the job of the TMS is evolving from, you know, a feature-rich execution platform to that of a framework that supports connectivity and master data management and governments and security and automation. So, and at the same time, then supporting a lot of these best of breed specialized applications that then plug easily into that framework and enables a very robust end-to-end process without the TMS vendor themselves needing to take on the burden of building all this feature functionality and trying to be all things to all people. So companies like our mutual partner, Turvo, and some others, they've really embraced that approach of connected or collaborative processes that breaks down the people and the data and the process silos to enable this this truly end-to-end process with a green screens and a parade and a hub tech and all of these best of breed specialized applications that are plugged in. So, but it's not just about a data connection. For us at Green Screens, it's also about embedding our user experience and the decision support data and that powerful information that we're giving the user into the user's existing workflow. So if I was so if I was booking a load and I was let's just say I'm using Turbo and that you're you're connected because you're partners with Turbo, so you're connected and you're so I, as I put that information in, it says recommended price. Here it is. From, but I don't have to use it, but it just gives me instant, instant data. As soon as I put those two in there, it says, here's what you, we think you can buy it for. Here's what you think you can sell it for. So if, I, so if I'm on the phone talking to a buyer while, or, or um, a trucking company, I can look and say, well, I should be able to buy it for this. And they're, they're a little higher than that. So maybe I say, yeah, let me give you a call back in a few or, or you know, send them an email. Let, let me know. And then you might make a few other phone calls. Or if that's the right price. You go, that's it. I'm happy with that. And so you pick that price and then you say this is, and give that price to your customer. And what you've done is a lot faster because I don't have to wonder what the price is. I don't have to make 10 phone calls or send 10 emails to ask all my carriers what they think that price should be. Right, exactly. And ideally, we're eliminating that phone call back as well, because not right. only is it the, here's the buy price, here's the sell price, but here, let me show you why we've we've come up with the price that we came up with because here's what you have been buying at over the past 7 days 15 days 30 days here's what our aggregated network of data has been buying at over this period of time here's your win loss history over the past 60 days for this customer on this lane and the prices at which you've been bus- winning this business a little bit of price elasticity information in there and then we also show the users some negotiation tips right so as they're on the phone with the carrier you're on the phone with the customer and the customer says, well, geez, that $4,200 is more than I wanted. The end user can easily say, well, you know, there's a lot of, you know, supply demand imbalance at the origin location and, you know, it's end of month. And, oh, by the way, it's FMCSA inspection week is coming up and it's going to have a really big impact on capacity. And while I could give you a price that's lower than that 4200 at a price lower than that, I can assure you that the truck I hire is actually going to show up and pick that load up, right? And, and again, it's elevating that conversation with the customer from just a price-based discussion. 
Yeah. So you kind of give me uh, as a broker, as a 3PL, you kind of give me superpowers because I've got like the buy price and the sell price right there. I don't have to go feel the market out. I don't even have to have tribal knowledge. I could be day one, you know, I should buy it for that. That's what the boss said. That's what the system said. So that just, you guys, so you're completely integrated. I know you just said you're connected with Turbo. Are you connected to other transportation management systems? Yeah. So we are pre-connected into eight other TMSs today. So, you know, we have Turbo, we have Algex, we have Rose Rocket, we have Ty, we have, I'm going to miss some and uh, hopefully our partners don't get mad at me for this 3G TMS. So we're currently pre-connected into eight different TMS platforms. We have a couple others that are mutually, you know, in our design and development funnel, but then we also have other partners that focus on connectivity in general that we also work with. So if the customer is using maybe a proprietary system and they're not able to take that integration work on on their own, we have other integration partners that we work with that have established the connections to green screens and then can work with the customer. And again, it goes back to what I said about we're all about meeting the customer where they are. Where they're at, yeah. And and you know what? If the customer says, well, I don't want to do any of those things, but I can send you my data in a CSV file by email every day, that works too, you know, and then your users are just accessing our user interface. So it really is about meeting the customer where they are in their digitalization evolution, if you will, right? So, Well, I I think that makes sense because I just think about software that I've implemented over time. It's better when you kind of have able to start, kind of able to prove it out a little bit and then add a little more, add a little more. And then as you, as you feel confidence in it, because, you know, I've, I've always, <laughs> I, I, I think I coined this term when I was working in automotive, what I called malicious compliance. And <laughs> where, where you said to somebody effective on Monday, you're going to start using this software. And they did, but they didn't want to. And they're right. looking for reasons not to use it. And they were looking for reasons to say, this doesn't even work. Right. And so you, you want to be able to give them, as you said, Meet me where I'm at. One hundred percent, and and that is a normal part of our customer onboarding process. And again, it goes back to our earlier discussion about where are we in the adoption cycle, right? AI and it's so not just dynamic pricing. AI and machine learning in general is still kind of novel to our industry, or in general, it's it's still kind of a novel concept, maybe a little bit scary for some people. So, how do you ease into that, right? So it's okay. Let's start with maybe a more, I'm going to say manual integration. I guess that's kind of an oxymoron manual integration, but, and let's step into it, right? Let's establish the trust in the system. And then we start to look at automating and maybe the first step of automating quote is through email. Okay. And then the next step in automation is through, you know, API connectivity, right? Whatever the case may be, because we want to evolve with our customers as they go through their digital transformation. Right. And, you know, you said something that I thought was very interesting, and it's not exactly related to dynamic pricing, but it's related to, you said, transportation management systems are now becoming frameworks where they're not worried about executing every last function themselves. They're saying, we don't have dynamic pricing, so we'll go let green screens do it and bring, connect to them via API. And it reminds me, um, like WordPress is that way. So WordPress is a nice framework, but they let every best-in-class app connect to them. And I think that's more and more the the mindset of transportation management systems is 
whatever information you want to connect to, whatever automations or systems or information, we'll let you connect to it. Right. And so you don't have to go, because I always remember um, in the past, these integrations were all one-off. If you could find a guy to connect it, they were very expensive and it took a long time to get them on board. Yeah, I agree. And it's, you know, kind of getting off topic a little bit, but, but if you think about it, that was really the original premise behind SaaS, software as a service 1.0 was really about you pay for what you need, right? And it's this whole microservices, best of breed components that, you right. know, it, it, it's use end user specific and, and you pay for what you need. It's not monolithic, all things to all people, right? And, and that is, and, and I think as an industry, and it's not just in the logistics industry, I think in general, SaaS has morphed into really just being cloud-based computing and has kind of morphed away from one of those original tenants about, you know, pay for only what you need. But I think we're coming back around to the importance of that, of, hey, let that the, the cloud framework exist, which the TMSs are becoming with the connectivity into all of the players in the ecosystem that are specialized in best of breed. Yeah, it's funny. I'm, I'm implementing um, Teams over here. And if you look at Teams, it says, what what other apps do you use? And there's like dozens, you know, obviously the Microsoft apps, but the competition, that's the, the part of the idea of, of letting customers connect even to your competition is the idea that who cares? You're working with our framework and we and we will never get this framework to do best in class every function. So we're going to partner with whoever can bring that best in class to us. So that's really the mindset we have to have. Yeah. And, and believe me, I spent you know, 20 years in, in TMS trying to come up with a product strategy that would allow whatever company I was with at the time to be best in class on every function. And, I, I'm, right. and I'm here to tell you it's impossible. So <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I think that's the right strategy going forward. So you got to a, I can't beat them, join them. Exactly. You're creating a best in class app. So I'm going to summarize the best I can, and then I want to get your final thoughts on this topic. So we're talking again with Don Salvucci Favier. I said it yes. correctly that time. Thank you. And we're talking about dynamic pricing. And we need to start to think about dynamic pricing because I think you used a great term there. It says there's 17,000 freight brokers, and the top 150 are the big guys, right? Those guys are using, a lot of them are using if this to some extent. And so we're st starting to see, um, you know, what I'll call haves versus have nots. So you better, if you want to stay competitive, start looking into dynamic pricing. So it's faster. <laughs> That's one of the reasons we're going to do it. It's more accurate. That's another reason we're going to do it. And, it. and again, it leads to this connected ecosystem that you just talked about. So I don't have to have tribal knowledge. Day one, somebody sits at the desk that tells you this is the buy price, most likely. This is the sell price, most likely. And I can override it. It's just another, it, it just allows me to be more successful. And I think it also allows me to go much faster and hopefully win more business at the right price. 100%. And again, I really do feel like we're getting to a haves versus have nots place here. Because if you don't have this kind of technology and if you don't start thinking about it, you're going to find yourself on the losing end of things. Final thoughts on that. 
Yeah, final thoughts. I mean, again, I'll, I'll just wrap up, you know, whether you're a company whose strategy is focused on automated automation or on relationships or a mixture of both, right? You need to have, uh, again, the, the two, I'll say, tenets of, of dynamic pricing is fast and accurate pricing and, and the connectivity, as you said, that gets your users fast, accurate, connected pricing, that is aligned with where and how you do business with your trading partners and where you operate today. And that's really what dynamic pricing is all about. So, you know, from a benefit perspective, dynamic pricing really comes down to the competitiveness, right? And as you said, it's no longer a nice to have, it's a must have in the competitive competitiveness game, you know, fast, accurate, connected, I guess are are the three words that I would use there. And I'd be a fool if I told you that it was only about the process automation that's important. But again, the human factor is, is extremely important. Being able to leverage your human capital less on, you know, pricing decisions and more on making the right decisions and, and differentiating through exceptional service and, and relationships, right? Which is, is only going to help, you know, again, be more competitive. But what that means is you can quote more business, you can ultimately win more business and do so more profitably, right? And and that's really where where we think we, we sit in, in this logistics ecosystem. Excellent. Excellent. So Dawn, before we wrap this bad boy up, tell us a little bit more about what's going on over at Green Screens and how we reach out and talk to you. And also tell us who your sweet spot is. Who do you serve? Yeah. So, and I've talked a lot about freight brokers today. Our our sweet spot today is certainly the freight brokers. I I would say, you know, we've got some freight brokers that are $3 million in annual revenue. We've got some freight brokers that are north of a half a billion dollars in in revenue. And and frankly, are talking to some that are even, you know, a billion dollars and above that have have gone down this path and, and are realizing the power of more aggregated data and things like that. But today our focus is really around freight brokers and 3PLs. We do have a strategic roadmap that is going to help us expand, you know, beyond just predictive pricing for the spot market, but looking at other modes of transportation, um, looking at longer term forecasting as well as as that the the short term spot market, but really evolving more into a revenue optimization and yield optimization platform. And that's really where we see ourselves playing in the future as a neutral platform for revenue optimization that really touches Again, the entire ecosystem, the shippers, the carriers themselves, the brokers, the 3PLs, right, throughout throughout the whole infrastructure and making everybody more efficient as a result of that. You know, we've been growing very quickly since you and I talked a, a year ago. We've, we've grown quite rapidly. As far as where you can find us, our website is greenscreens.ai. Don't forget the AI part. You can... Yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes and I'll also put a link to your LinkedIn profile and any other links you give me. (laughs) Okay, excellent. Well, I will certainly do that. And then if you're attending the TIA conference in April, stop by and see us. We'll be there too. Where is that at? San Diego. Oh, not too shabby. Although you're in Florida. Well, I'm in Florida. Florida. Yeah. Take off. No, <laughs> nobody's going to feel bad for me right now. So it's all good. Yeah. that's a, Now you're from the North, so you understand what it's like to be in Florida this time of year. <laughs> I am. And I don't want to go back there. Not this time of the year, for sure. Yeah. So you just make phone calls up North and say, yeah, it's too hot down here again. Um, so you're going to TIA. Is there any other conferences you guys are attending? Not at this moment. You know, we're still kind of working through it. It's still early in the year, still kind of working through our marketing budget and all that. But TIA for sure. 
Excellent. Excellent. So Don, what I'll do is I'll put those links in the show notes. Any links you give me, I'll put in the show notes so you can be uh, reach out to you guys. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about dynamic pricing. It's one of those things that is is coming so fast, but it's I, I still feel like when we're prepping, I said, anything that I don't fully understand, I assume some of my audience don't understand it either. So. Sure. Well, as I said, it's it's a it's a novel concept, and AI and machine learning is still fairly novel. And you know, part of our job as a vendor in the space is also to help educate, right, the, the marketplace on what it means and why it's important. You know, it's it seemed like not so long ago if somebody said, "Oh, yeah, we're using artificial intelligence," be like, mm-hmm, "Sure, you are." Yeah, yeah, we're using machine learning for that. Be like, mm-hmm, "Yeah." course you are. It, it just sounded like, you know, that what we used to call vaporware, like, no, you aren't. And, that, and somebody said not too long ago to me, yeah, people use AI for chatbots. I go, no, they're using it everywhere. And there's people using it. And, and they're like, no, they aren't. I was like, trust me, I talk to people using it every day now. And it's something that most of us never learned about. So we're learning on the fly. Indeed. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.